stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Good afternoon and thanks for tuning in, being here on a special week-long series with myself, Jordan Witzel, uh, traditionally from Global News across the city from 770 CHQR, of course, our connected radio station partners. I will be back on television again next week, but uh, off of TV this week to host this important conversation series. Many guests from across the country joining me this week, and we will start today locally with a few guests to have a very uh, important conversation on mental health, specifically as it pertains to our frontline workers. Many of you who are familiar with uh, my work here in the city uh, very well known uh, my support for our Canadian military and our veterans and their mental health for our police officers and their mental health and our firefighters. I really want to expand this conversation both today and this week, every day at 3 p.m. here on 770 CHQR, uh, to paramedics, to doctors, to nurses. Of course, COVID-19, a very big talker and having a massive impact on all of our mental health, whether we want to admit it or not. And with mental health, I think that is a big part of it, admitting it, um, how much something in our life has deeply impacted us, whether it's COVID-19 or something else. And so this conversation all week long will not just uh, be about COVID-19, but it will be about the many stressors that take shape in many forms for our frontline workers, our first responders All of this stems from my support of our veterans and the operational stress that they face in their day-to-day jobs. They signed up for it. All of these frontline workers signed up accepting that they would face a certain amount of operational stress and the potential for some injury from that to their mental health. The song off the top, you may recognize it, Taylor Swift. I am admittedly a huge fan. And from one of her more recent albums released in the summer of last year, Folklore, that song is Epiphany. I uh, took the chance to watch a TV special with Taylor Swift where she talked about that album and how she wrote some of the songs. And stick with me here. Um, Her reason for that song and the poetry behind it is a reflection on her grandfather's service in the U.S. military, serving in World War II, but also her reflection on doctors and nurses and other frontline workers who make our hospitals absolutely sing, especially during the pandemic. I want to sum up those lyrics before we head into speaking with our first guest first guest today. Help uh, the, the song goes, keep your helmet, keep your life, son, just a flesh wound. Here's your rifle crawling up the beaches now, sir. I think he's bleeding out and some things you just can't speak about. With you I serve, with you I fall down. Watch you breathe in, watch you breathe out. Something med school did not cover. Someone's daughter, someone's mother. Holds your hand through plastic now. Doc, I think she's crashing out. And some things you just can't speak about. Our frontline workers are facing 
incredible stress. They do. It is inherent of their jobs. Uh, but COVID-19 only weighing more on the job that they are trying to do. The importance is underlined uh, by a research project taking place locally here at the University of Calgary Workland School of Education. Kelly Dean, Dr. Kelly Dean Schwartz, a registered psychologist and associate professor at the Workland School of Education, has shared with me a, um, a research project his team is working on. And I quote... Uh, from the funding proposal for that research project, public safety per- fa- public safety personnel, PSP, including firefighters, police, paramedics, experience heightened operational stressors, including shift work, as many of us do, but exposure to traumatic events, threats to personal safety, and witnessing current or past accidents, homicides, assaults, and suicide cited Berger et al. 2012. The statistics regarding the psychological and physiological risks for PSP are not encouraging. PSP prevalence rates for post-traumatic stress injuries and operational stress injuries range from 8% to 44%, again cited Carlton et al. 2018. Our guests for today... Uh, In just a little bit, we will be joined by Calgary's police chief, Mark Neufeldt. So much to dive in with Chief Neufeldt. But first to the program, I would like to welcome Shauna Prinsloo. She is a clinical psychologist here in Calgary, and she also works with Can Praxis Equine Therapy. It is an equine therapy center uh, based out of central Alberta that delivers... Uh, equine therapy to military veterans and more recently has expanded programs to uh, police officers and they are looking to expand their network even further to help first responders and medical professionals receive therapy with the assistance of equine support. Uh, Shauna Prinsloo, thank you for joining us today. Hi Jordan, thank you for having me. Um, this, no doubt, as some of the research that I have recapped here, is a, a major problem as is when we don't even dive into COVID-19, uh, that operational stress injuries have a massive impact on our frontline workers. But what is, first and foremost, the major problem with leaving an operational stress injury untreated? Oh, goodness, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> to be blunt, the problem is significant. Um, the effects of an untreated operational stress injury spills over into all aspects of a person's life, both at home and at work. Um, operational stress injuries like post-traumatic stress disorder, for example, they're not conscious conditions and that there's no amount of willpower that can overcome the dark thoughts, for example, associated with what these individuals experience. Uh, which is what makes treatment so important. Mm. And without treatment, people suffering from OSIs are at risk for developing uh, depression, anxiety, social isolation, um, problems in close personal relationships, um, which also has a spillover effect because the the close personal relationships that are affected often end up, um, the the relationships end up terminating. People lose their jobs, they lose their ability to function at work and at school, and this then further increases social, social isolation, um, which, is an, which is a problem in itself. 
Um, and furthermore, the risk of suicide for individuals experiencing operational stress injuries such as PTSD is so much higher than the general population. And as you touched on, the research has consistently demonstrated and supported this fact. Um, the high suicide rates among this population really demonstrates the severity of the conditions we are working with and how important it is that it does not go untreated. Shanna, is um, uh, the way we're speaking here, and, and operational stress injury is a relatively new term to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've all, in a sense, heard of PTSD, uh, obviously fitting under the umbrella term of operational stress injury. What else does uh, an operational stress injury involve? So an operational stress injury, like you indicated, is, it is a relatively new term. It's a non-clinical term, so to speak. Um, but it's any persistent psychological difficulty uh, resulting from operational duties, such as law enforcement, frontline healthcare workers, uh, combat, or any other service-related duties. With all of that leading to, as you mentioned, the many outcomes right up to suicide uh, and Mm -hmm. the prevalence involved with that. How much do you and your colleagues anticipate this being elevated uh, in the wake of COVID-19? Yeah, I think uh, it's such a relevant question. I think that this pandemic has placed such a tremendous strain on the mental health of our frontline workers. Um, And not only are they working long hours under extremely stressful circumstances, but many of their patients are dying despite their most heroic efforts Mm -hmm. to save them. Mm -hmm. Um, They are faced with being the go-between between patients and their loved ones, um, with those loved ones not being allowed in hospitals to be with them. They are having to deliver devastating news of the passing of loved ones every single day. Added to that, many of them live in fear that they might contract and transmit the disease to their family right. and friends, which has led some co-workers to isolate themselves from their own loved ones, adding grief and loneliness uh, to their distress. And, you know, for some healthcare workers, the symptoms of distress will subside with the crisis and no further intervention will be needed. But for others, um, they are going to need additional help to restore their mental health. And many of these individuals will experience um, symptoms indicative of post-traumatic stress, uh, as well as depression, generalized anxiety disorder, substance use disorder. And and looking at the research that has been done so far, I think that the mental health strain being placed on frontline workers will really be brought to the forefront during the coming months. Uh, so much is being asked of frontline workers, which they are all so willing to give. But when they reach their tipping point, we really have to ensure that supports are actively in place for them. Do we have uh, do we have enough capability? Do we have everything in place? Are there enough uh, clinical uh, psychologists like yourself? Are the, would the clinics be able to open immediately, not just over Zoom, uh, but face to face with psychologists? Are there other programs out there? Uh, th- this is going to be a massive weight. Oh my goodness, yeah. I think that the weight the weight is going to be quite tremendous that a lot of people have to go through. I do think um that virtual therapy um has made come about in leaps and bounds. Um so therapy is being offered to individuals um over uh secure platforms where they are you're having video counseling, phone counseling. Um, so, so this in itself is, is really promising. Um, I don't know what the availability is uh, and whether there will be enough resources available. Um, my only hope is to say that we'll be able to step up and rise to the occasion. 
Absolutely. And I think that that is where we all come in. And I think part of my uh, appeal to everyone listening today and throughout the week is that perhaps there's a way we can all step up and and help. Uh, Shauna, before I let you go, lastly, um, the benefits of equine therapy, because you are the attending psychologist uh, at Canpraxis, uh, just north of Calgary, it is one of many equine therapy uh, resorts, locations, um, no doubt, uh, giving benefit to, to folks who are, who are seeking out some treatment. What is it about horses? Uh, so, you know, the thing about horses is uh, there are several reasons we choose to work with horses, but primarily it's due to their nature as a social and a prey animal. Um, as a result of this nature, they have an extraordinary ability to read our nonverbal communication, picking up on messages we are sending, which we are not always conscious we're doing. Um, so, for example, if uh, clients are going to walk into the arena in a very gruff and brash manner, um, the horses are going to respond accordingly. They're, you know, often going to turn around, move away. Um, they start responding to us in familiar ways, reminding us of other people and things in our life. Hmm. And it is through this that they become metaphors, so to speak, um, providing us an opportunity to work on ourselves in relation to those aspects of our lives. Sounds like the perfect sort of tool, um, creature, to bring us Mm -hmm. back into the present moment when we are trying to uh, approach therapy. Uh, Exactly. Shauna, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to let you go. We want to, on the other side of the break, jump to speaking with Police Chief Mark Neufeld, so stay with us. But Shauna, thank you so much for sharing some of your insights. My name is Jordan Witzel, and again, after the break, uh, Police Chief Mark Neufeld will be joining us to talk about mental health as it relates to policing in our city. You're listening to Mental Health on the Front Lines on 770 CHQR. We're going to jump right into the conversation with Calgary Police Chief Mark Neufeld. Uh, Chief Neufeld, thanks for joining us this afternoon. You bet, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It's always great having an open, honest conversation with you. You are the man for that as the leader of our police service. And so we really do appreciate you um, opening up uh, sort of your mind to this mental health conversation. I know it is important to you. I know that your department has uh, faced so many difficulties in this past year, especially. Uh, First, I would like to... um, sincerely offer my condolences uh, to you and your entire staff chief um, on the passing of Sergeant Andrew Harnett. And and uh, I have many times in the last week tried to put myself in your shoes, and I know uh, there is no uh, way I can fully do that. Uh, to think well, about, thanks uh, so much for your kindness. We, we really appreciate it. It's, the conversation certainly hits home uh, this week more than ever. And I can't, um, I, I can imagine uh, that you have many officers coming forward uh, to the appropriate avenues within the department to uh, look for guidance to move forward in, in the death of a colleague. Uh, can I ask, how's that going? You're right. It, it is actually going, it's going well, but it is very busy. And you can appreciate that, uh, you know, when, when tragic things happen and senseless things happen, like uh, what happened on New Year's Eve, you do tend to focus thinking, well, the, the folks that are closest to Sergeant Harnett and the family and the people that are closest to him are, are where you're initially focused. But it's surprising sometimes, um, you know, the impact of these types of events on people further out, people in other first responder communities, and even people in the community. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to be pretty open-minded at times like this and just recognize that, um, yeah, you just got to be open to whatever comes to you, and there's no roadmap for it. 
I'm going to ask for a little bit of leadership here from you because mental health is a hard thing to talk about. Um, I've had my own struggles uh, with mental health through my adult life. And so it's often hard for us to find the courage to open up to others, especially in this forum, Chief, I understand. Uh, So please say pass (laughs) if that is the case. I would imagine this isn't the first um, death you've ever um, dealt with in all of your years of policing. Um, Just tell us about some of the hardest moments that you've faced that have challenged your mental health in all of your years of service. Well, I think this particular death of Sergeant Harnett's been been intensely personal. Um, I I knew Sergeant Harnett very well uh, myself personally, so um, this one has been very hard. I think um, when uh, Constable Woodall was killed in Edmonton in 2015, that one was very, very hard as well. Um, I can tell you I've also experienced a number of officer suicide deaths, which are also extremely, extremely difficult. And, and I think that when it comes to trauma and it comes to, you know, um, psychological well-being, sometimes it isn't necessarily a single triggering event. Sometimes yeah. it actually can be just the cumulative effect of a number of different things going on in all aspects of your life. And I've certainly felt that too um, from time to time where things just get to be a lot. And so on that basis, this is, and I think you mentioned it earlier, it is very important to me. I think uh, our police officers are a special bunch and uh, I think we need to make sure that at times like this, and I I referred to it this morning in one of our meetings, is we need to hug them and hold them. We need to make sure that we're there and accessible and visible um, to folks and just hearing what they have to say and, and reacting to that um, because, like I say, there, there's no there's no real roadmap for you know moments like this. Speaking of that sort of roadmap, as it develops uh, over years and years, how has the recognition of mental health changed throughout your career? Well, I think it's gotten way better. I think that's a that's a, a really good uh, news story in all of this. Is that you know I, I think back to when I started in policing around 28 years ago. You know, when when there was traumatic events and bad things happened, you know, there was a a kind of a suck it up mentality where, you know what, we were police officers and we're the people that help people and we're not supposed to be the people with problems or the people to be impacted. And that's a hard thing. And I think that led a lot of us to sort of deny, you know, the impact that some of these events had. And, you know, in those days, you know, you'd get together for, for a drink type thing and that used to be the therapy. And not not so anymore. I can tell you we have great, great programs um, for people to be able to uh, access post-crisis. But I mean, you, you can't, you know, I guess you're a good comprehensive uh, mental health program or a health program inside an organization like ours isn't um, uniquely centered on post-crisis. Obviously, if you're, if you're getting involved post-crisis, obviously that's going to be too late right. a lot of times. So we have uh, lots of uh, aspects of our program that are actually far more proactive than that, where we're actually um, helping to build uh, resilience and build uh, physical, mental, and emotional uh, wellness and teaching courses on things like sleep and mindfulness and resiliency ahead of time to help our folks uh, that way. And so I think, um, you know, the stigma that used to be around first responders or police anyway, accessing mental health is, is not nearly what it was. I wouldn't say it's totally gone, but I think things have improved exponentially. Chief, uh, we're out of time. I, I could talk so much more with you, I, 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 but I know you guys at least have the programs in place, and I, and I think that's that's great to hear. Our goal by the end of this week is to offer your members who might be listening and their family members uh, more opportunity to realize their programs even outside of um, their, their employment department that they can access right here in Calgary and throughout the province. Uh, but Chief, thank you so much for taking just a few moments out of your time to speak with us and uh, all the best health uh, for you uh, as we move through 2021. 
My pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for leading this conversation. It's an important one. Thank you. Uh, that is the uh, Calgary Police Chief Mark Neufeld joining us to talk uh, about mental health as well. We're going to continue this conversation tomorrow again at 3 o'clock right here on 770 CHQR. Dr. John Whalen, a clinical psychologist who spent 25 years in the Canadian Armed Forces, will be joining us along with Marianne Barber, a retired Canadian Armed Force nurse who is still working as a nurse practitioner here in Canada. Some good conversation on many of the things they've seen and getting some insights on how we can adapt the programs that have been available to them for our other first-line responders. You've been listening to Mental Health on the Frontlines. I'm Jordan Witzel on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.